0: Well, happy New Year, everybody! So good to see you. Thank you for being here this weekend. This is one of our campuses out of four as Northridge Church, and wherever you're worshiping with us, we're thankful that you've engaged us, even if you're online. And I tell you, if you're a guest, you picked a great weekend. We're starting a brand new series called "The Wall" this weekend, and I. We really believe in being upfront and honest. No hidden agendas here. And so I'm going to tell you at the front end of this series. It's going to be a blatantly spiritual series. Now if you're a guest you might interpret that as being a religious series. That's not at all what we mean here by that. By spiritual we're talking about focusing on your relationship. Your walk with God. The, the one thing. That you need more than anything else is a relationship with God. In fact, a relationship with God that's genuine and growing and defining your life is the one indispensable experience of life. And this isn't my opinion, this is what the Bible tells us. Jesus in Matthew 6.33 said, You need to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, His ways, and everything else will be provided for you as well. And He was talking to people who were pursuing the things that only God could provide instead of pursuing God Himself. And He said, No, the indispensable pursuit of your life, the first priority of your life needs to be a relationship with God. Out of that, everything else flows. Again, in John fifteen five, with probably even stronger words, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, like a branch would remain in the vine and the life of the vine and the branch, that human being will bear much fruit. Your life will be productive, significant, valuable if you have me. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The story of our beginnings as human beings bears this out. When Adam and Eve were walking with God, what did they have? They had paradise. But when they lost their relationship with God, they were no longer walking with him. What did they have? Nothing. They lost it all. They were no longer in paradise. And here's the problem. In spite of how some people make it sound, they make... A relationship with God and walking with God sounds so easy, so natural, so intuitive. In spite of how some people make it sound, here's what you need to know is the honest truth. Walking with God, as important as it is, as indispensable as it is, walking with God is not easy and it is not natural. This is not an intuitive deal. The intuitive deal is to do it on our own, to go our own way, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, to put ourselves at the center, to, to do what feels right for us to do. It is not natural and it is not easy to walk with God. It's like there's a huge wall between him and us. Good set. It's like there's this huge wall between him and us. And the first wall we come up against and we hit in our life is the wall we're literally born with. It's our nature. You see, unfortunately, we've inherited the nature of Adam and Eve. We, by nature, leave God out of our lives. We, by nature, put ourselves at the center. We want our way, not his way. And the Bible calls that nature, sin, our sin nature and it keeps us from God the good news is that Jesus has solved the problem of our nature Jesus came and died on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven our failures and shame and guilt could be wiped away and he rose again so that we could be given a new nature He took care of the wall of our own nature. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The wall we are born with is this idea that we don't need God, that that we need to be at the center, but Jesus comes and wipes that out and gives us a brand new nature so we can seek God, so we can have a relationship with God. The one thing we need more than anything else. And yet, most still don't choose him. I mean, look around. Can we be honest? Most people don't choose to follow him. And I think one of the reasons is they hit another wall. There's still this this natural wall in their way that has a lot to do with our physical nature. When you think about our nature, we tend to live by our senses, right? If we can't see or hear or smell or taste or touch something... We have a hard time accepting it, let alone living for it. And the reality is that our relationship with God isn't experienced through our senses. It's experienced, according to God, by faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 5-7. We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by our physical senses. And I have to tell you, physical senses are natural and normal. Faith is not natural, it is not normal, it is not easy. Anyone who tells you that walking with God is easy and natural is someone you need to get to a psychologist immediately. It's just not true. We live by faith, not by sight. The idea of living by faith is a huge wall for us to hurdle. And I know that's where some of you are right now. I mean... it's not like you don't know something's missing in your life. It's not like you you don't want to believe that there's this God who's good and who can transform you and guide you. It's just that you just you can't get past the wall of your of your senses. You can't you can't get over the wall of the need for faith and I want you to know it's okay that you're there. It's normal that you're there in spite of the fact that some people pretend it's not true we've all been there at Northridge we want to help you find your way over that wall and through that wall so that you can experience what you so desperately long for and need a relationship with God but I don't want you to think that once you get over that wall once that you experience what Jesus did to to forgive you of your sin nature and to give you a new nature, and once you experience the the reality of God in your life because you've been able to push through that wall of faith, I don't want you to think that once you're over that wall that walking with God is easy because it's not. If you don't understand that walking with God and maintaining a growing and genuine relationship with God over time is going to be difficult is going to cause you to hit wall after wall after wall then what you'll do is you'll start well but you won't finish if you don't understand that you're going to hit wall after wall in trying to know God and live for God then then you're going to quit on God when you most need him when you hit the big walls of your life and here's the deal Even when we're able to hurdle the wall of faith and genuinely believe in God and experience him in our lives, it's still not easy to keep walking with him, to keep growing in our relationship with him. It's not easy for me and it's not easy for you. There are still a ton of huge walls to face. To be honest for me, at least, the biggest walls I've ever faced, the most difficult walls I've ever run into are the ones I've run into since I've been walking by faith. Those are the real big walls for me. My story is the only story I've ever been able to live and and write out. And so if you've attended here for any amount of time, you're probably saying, please share someone else's story. And I understand that. but, But I won't share the whole deal. But I have to tell you, for me, faith was hard to come to. It was a huge wall to finally come to faith. I mean, I just wasn't anywhere close to it. I was one messed up individual. But genuinely, over time, I came to the place where I experienced the reality of Jesus in my life. I put faith in him. I finally got through that huge obstacle of faith. And what happened was, I so profoundly experienced Jesus that he transformed me from the inside out. I I, I went from being a person with no conscience whatsoever where the only thoughts I ever had were thoughts about the wrong choices and I had no guilt or shame about it. I mean, I was bent on self-destruction with no conscience whatsoever. But once putting faith in Jesus, he was so real in me that I had a very active conscience. It was as if... There was a new voice in me, one I had never experienced before. Now, don't get me wrong. It sounded a lot like my voice. It didn't have a deep, resonant, low frequency to it. It had this high little thing that you're hearing right now. I mean, it was, it was my voice. But it was saying things I had never thought to say inside. It was leading me to make positive choices, not negative. To be compassionate, not selfish. And it was just crazy. It was inside of me. And so it made it easy for me to believe what Jesus taught. That when you put faith in him, he literally takes up residence in you. I knew he had done that because he had transformed my inside voice. I still made wrong decisions and bad decisions, but I had to overcome his voice to do it. I never had a voice before. He was real. It was a real experience I had with him. And yet, once I started experiencing him, that's when I started hitting the huge walls. I confronted a huge wall when it came to doubt. I had always kind of tried to, to live more rationally and, and logically, and I could never figure out the whole God thing because my physical senses got in the way, and, and yet then I had this experience of him for real inside, but it didn't match up with what I understood and could logically determine, and so I had this huge wall of doubt, and it man, it maintained a hold over me for a long time. I had a hard time moving forward with God because of that doubt, and... And though I've pushed through that and God's enabled me through it, I still battle with doubt at times. It's a wall for me. I also hit a huge wall after following Jesus. I I, I met a lot of people who identified themselves as Christians, but they were nothing like Christ. Ever met those kind of people? You want to know what's going to screw with your head? People claiming to know Jesus whom you don't want to know. I mean, that's just crazy, and I met these people. In fact, I just decided I didn't like Christians. And so God has a sense of humor. He called me to be a pastor. <laughs> and so I'm just going to be really honest and upfront. I don't like you Christians. You're scary. You know, a that, that little bit of hyperbole there. But the truth is, I mean, whoa, people who live hypocritical, inconsistent lives became a wall for me, and I had to see that Jesus wasn't those people. It was a wall for me. I hit the wall of, of different kinds of churches. I, I mean, I came to faith, and so God talks about church being a positive part of our lives, essential part of our lives. So I started attending different churches, and you know what I found? Churches are different, man. I mean, they're different. There are all kinds of different churches, and you know what they're all doing? They're all claiming that they're right and the others are wrong. That messes with your head. And it became a wall for me I had to work through. And then, then things started happening in my life and things continued happening in the world that, that I just could not reconcile with who God said he was. He says he's good and loving and present and helpful. But I experienced some things in my life and saw some things in the world where it seemed like it didn't match up with that kind of a God and it created a wall for me. Do you know what I'm saying? In my journey of faith, I, I had expectations about what it would mean to have a relationship with God and what the results would be. And those expectations were unmet and I experienced huge disappointment. And it became a wall for me, pushing me away from God rather than pulling me towards him. And if you want to know the biggest, and this is kind of odd, but the biggest wall for me in my whole journey of faith has been boredom. I'm this person that Kind of likes to process quickly and likes to be very active. Adrenaline is my drug of choice. And, and I'm going to tell you right up front the truth about the Christian life. Because remember the Christian life, the spiritual life that God gives us is about a relationship with him. And as in any relationship, the Christian life is about redundancy. Redundancy. I've been married for 35 years and I cherish no one on this planet more than my wife Roxanne. But I'm going to tell you something about marriage. It's redundancy. It began great. Woo! She just took her clothes off in front of me. Woo! You know, now I say, been there, done that. You know, I mean, really. There's redundancy there. And yet it's meaningful. It's deep. It's the most intimate relationship I have. But it's not because it's not redundant. It's because I've worked through that issue. And the same is true with God. In my spiritual journey after the newness wore off. It seemed like the same thing over and over and over and over again. You get up. You open your Bible. You pray. And you go into the, you go to church. You forgive. You serve. You help the poor. The first time you do those things. woohoo! That's exciting. And the, the hundred and. Thousandth time you've done him. You go, ugh. I've been a pastor over three decades. Do you know how many talks I've given? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sleeping right now while I give this talk. I mean, it's like, <laughs> talk about redundancy. It's boring. It can be. And it became a wall for me. A wall that I had to work through. And this isn't just my story. Let me give you a truth that's so important it's normal to hit the wall it's normal before you come to faith and after you have a relationship with god with god it's normal too many people quit on god when they hit the wall thinking that something wrong with them or something wrong with god no there's not it's normal it happened to every character of faith in the bible some got over the wall Every wall they ever encountered in life, they, they pushed through, they broke through, they got over and they continued to walk with God to the end of their lives. Yeah, they were flawed, they made mistakes, but they ultimately remained faithful in their walk with God and they became great heroes of the faith. People like Abraham and Moses and Peter and Paul and even Mary, who became the mother of Jesus. I mean, great people of faith. But you know, some who met God and walked with God and experienced God ultimately when they hit walls in their life didn't remain faithful people like Solomon in the Old Testament and Demas in the New Testament they failed spectacularly and what you need to know is we're all going to hit the wall the question is will we be able to go through the wall or will the wall stop us will will the wall keep us from the one thing we need more than anything else this relationship with God or will will we not let the wall win? You have to realize why walls are normal in our lives. You see, walking with God is a journey. It's not an event. Now, I know religion tries to turn God into an event. You know, I got baptized when I was a kid. I went through catechism and took my first communion. Church is an event, and, and it's an event. But you need to know a relationship with God is not an event. It's a day-by-day Journey and it demands movement, and if you 're going to have movement, then that means that you 're going to be consistently going into new territory and when you go into new territory you 're in unknown places, which means you 're going to have to have a new level of faith, which means you hit a wall you don 't have enough faith, and somehow you need to find that faith and you 're going to need new levels of knowledge and new levels of understanding and new levels of wisdom, and that takes often all kinds of failure in order to get there and and this is what the journey's like just as it was when we learned to walk physically so learning to walk with god demands that we fall down a bunch of times which can hurt create pain can make us feel like giving up but if we're ever going to walk with him we have to keep moving through those walls The truth is that we can't take the spiritual journey without hitting walls, new and different walls. It's normal. This series is all about the wall and what happens when we hit it. Now the wall, as I've anecdotally described it in my life, let me now define it more specifically, stems from all kinds of different things. I love that our team created this wall with different textures and different looks and different substances because the truth is, no two walls are exactly the same. Every wall I've ever confronted takes on a different texture, a different substance, but it has the same impact in my life. You know, sometimes bad events are the wall. You know those bad events when someone we love desperately and we're praying for desperately dies anyway? Or the disaster comes into our life or we look at this world where terrorism seems to be taking over and there's so much insecurity and all these bad events, it, it just makes us scream out this question, where's God? But it's not just bad events. Did you know no events can be a wall? Do You know what happens in my life when... No events are happening. I'm not going, thank you, God, that bad things aren't happening. You know what I'm going? I'm screaming out, where are you, God? If you're real, then nothing shouldn't be what's going on right now. You should be doing something, right? And it becomes a wall for me. And this is how bad it is for me. I don't know if it's true for you, but for me, just the passing of time is a huge wall for me. Because as exciting as the beginning of our journey of faith is, I'm going to give you an elementary truth. As exciting as the beginning beginning of our journey of faith is, beginnings don't last. And so many people come into faith with God and they think, it's going to always be like it is now. No, it's not. Look at how long do you have to live before you get this. New cars become old cars. That new car that you get and you say, finally, I'm happy, is going to be your source of misery soon. New spouses become old spouses. You couldn't say it because you're sitting next to yours, right? I get it. Some of you are sitting by your 15th spouse and you're going, yep, every new spouse becomes an old one. Let me just tell you something. It's this way. New beginnings are exciting, but new beginnings become old. New jobs become old jobs. The tendency is for us to apply the new fix to our faith. It's true when an old new car becomes old, you can get a new car. It's not true when your journey of faith and your relationship with God gets old that you can get a new God because there isn't a new God. The tendency is to try and fix our spiritual problem when we hit the wall by, by getting a new journey, but we can't do it. The beginning is awesome, but it doesn't last forever. Eventually, we hit the, hall, the wall, and a ton of people, a ton of us, give up and start looking for something new. Well, God's just like everything else, He's only good in the beginning. But when you try and replace God, it doesn't work because when it comes to our spiritual lives, God's the only answer. We have to learn to deal with the wall. We have to learn to get through it. And though it can be tough, I'm going to tell you it's always worth it, always. You're looking at a person who's hit more walls than you can comprehend. And and I have legitimacy in this talk because I've also failed at many of these walls. But I've ultimately learned that The wall can be unbelievably beneficial in our life not because it feels good but because of what it accomplishes because I've discovered that we learn a lot about ourselves at the wall. We really do. Without the wall, I can start believing that my faith is unbelievable and my motivations are pure and my commitment is strong and I am profoundly mature. There are times when I have a season of unbelievable smooth running in my life where I start looking up to God and say, what's it like to have someone as awesome as me loving you? I mean, look at the faith I have, and look at how sincere I am, and look at how committed I am. I mean, I'm in the game, and boy, I've really grown, and you know what God lets me do? He lets me hit a wall. You know why? Because then I realize my faith isn't so strong, and I realize my motivations aren't so pure, because you know what happens when I hit the wall? All of a sudden, I start loving others less, and... Loving myself more and putting up self-protection instead of still investing in others, and I realize my commitment's not so strong and my maturity's not so great, we learn a lot about ourselves at the wall. I never knew I was a quitter until I hit a wall. Can you relate? It's at the wall we learn a lot about God. It's crazy. At the wall I learned that God doesn't fit into the neat little package that religion and tradition try to keep him in. In fact, when I first came to faith, I I mean I was so filled with adrenaline that was beginning I knew God was real and everything. So I mean you could ask me any question about God and I could in few short, simple words define him for you. This is what God's like. I mean, for me, it was clear. I mean, it was black and white. It was absolute. It was true. I could fully understand him. It was all great. And then I hit wall after wall after wall. And you know what I realized? I realized that God is not as simple and easy to understand as I originally thought. I couldn't explain him. He wasn't as black and white and clear cut as I thought. It reminded me of when I was six years old. You know, when I was six years old, life was simple. I didn't get what all the stress and anxiety was about. You know, my parents had come home all stressed out, filled with anxiety, having to down bourbon just to get through the day. No, they didn't really, but you get the idea. I mean, it was like, what's all the stress about? What's what's all the problem about? But I was only six. You know what the problem? The problem wasn't that life was easy. The problem was that I was too naive to understand how difficult it was. And the same thing is true in the journey of faith. When we first come to faith, it's so simple and easy and black and white, but as time moves on, we realize it's not. It's a lot easier to follow a simple God than it is a complex one, right? It's a wall for me. I also learned that at the wall, something else about God, that my feelings betray at times. When I hit the wall, you know what I feel like? I feel like God is unfaithful. When I hit the wall, I feel like God's not true to his word and is true to his promises. When I hit the wall, I don't feel like God is good, nor do I feel like he's present when I hit the wall. I feel like he's really messed up with me, but, but as I've stayed faithful at the wall and kept pushing through the wall, you know what I've learned? God is always faithful to his promises. The problem is that we're not faithful to him. That's what I learn at the wall. And one last thing, I learn at the wall that there are positive benefits that God provides when we remain faithful even when we don't feel like it, even when it feels like there's no benefit. It's at the wall where, where it becomes really tough to keep seeking him, to keep being faithful to church, which he's called us to, to keep serving, to keep forgiving it. It's at the wall where it really feels like, you know what, I've been serving and praying and coming to church and being faithful and giving and helping the poor for years. And you know what, there's no benefit. It just feels like it's a waste. But over time, that's proven wrong. Over time, we find that God uses our faithfulness to get us ready for a breakthrough. And if we don't quit, we'll experience the breakthrough As my story and most biblical stories reveal, we have some natural responses and experiences when we hit the wall, and that's what this series is going to address. And the very first response we have, the first natural response we have when we hit the wall, it's unexpected, right? You hit it. I mean, it's like, boom! And it hurts, and it's painful, and it surprises you, and it deters you from what you want, and it, it gets you off track, and it, it, it disappoints you, and all this different stuff. And when you hit the wall, our first natural response is to become disillusioned. That's why we call the talk disillusioned. I remember years ago, I read a book by Ken Blanchard called Situational Leadership. Now, Ken Blanchard wrote One Minute Manager. For any of you business people out there, you might have read, he's a very popular leadership writer. And When he wrote Situational Leadership, he wasn't even a believer. He has since become a Christ follower and a profound one at that. But when he wrote Situational Leadership, didn't know Jesus, but, but he wrote very spiritual things. Because when he was talking about the, the evolution of an employee, uh, of a worker, he says, when they first get their job, they become enthusiastic beginners. And we know what that's like. I, did you know? I, you probably don't know this, but I was a busboy at a greasy spoon called the golden nugget when I was growing. When I got that job. I said, This is awesome. The next day I said, This sucks. I mean, it's like you go from being an enthusiastic beginner to a disillusioned learner. On the front end of the experience, it seems like it's all golden. But then you get into it and you go, oh my. So you go from an enthusiastic beginner to a disillusioned learner. And I'm going to tell you this is exactly what happens in faith. You come to faith and you go, oh my, if it all feels like it does here at the beginning, life is going to be great forever. And then you experience the reality and hit wall after wall and you become a disillusioned learner. And I'm going to tell you, when we hit the wall and we experience disillusionment, it can lead to dangerous and disastrous responses. You know what it can do? It can cause us to begin hardening our heart. That heart which at the beginning is just so open in love with God can start closing off because We've been disappointed and disillusioned. and The problem is when your heart becomes hard, you can't experience God's love and you can't give him love. It all breaks down. When you experience disillusionment from hitting the wall, it can cause you to start giving up on God. Now I know you're here and you're in church, but, but you know, a lot of people in church have given up on God. I mean, we're still putting in some time, but but because we've hit the wall and we're so disillusioned and so disappointed, we kind of stop praying privately. We stop pursuing him in reality. We, we stop believing that his promises are true and we lose hope. And so we start looking for shortcuts around disillusionment. You know, disillusionment is so painful and so discouraging and so dark that that we start looking for shortcuts around it. And so instead of being faithful and Trusting God at the wall that he'll give us a breakthrough. We seek to go around it. And, and here's what happens. We jump into new beginnings looking for new excitement. This is why so many people jump from church to church and relationship to relationships. And from one bad decision to another bad decision. It's because they're just looking for that, that feeling they had that only comes with beginnings. Beginnings. But they never deal with their stuff. They never deal with who they really are. And who God really is. And and just know this. Jumping from beginning to beginning doesn't work. It only leads to bad ending after bad ending. Here's the problem. When we hit the wall. It is natural to feel disillusioned. But know this. Disillusionment is a feeling It is not faith. And if we are going to walk with God, it takes not feelings, but we cannot walk according to our feelings. We have to walk according to faith. So when we hit the wall, we need to do what's unnatural and respond to our faith rather than our feelings. Because feelings, I almost wanted to break into the song. Feelings change, especially when we hit the wall. Do you know how you feel when you hit a wall? Like everything's wrong. When I hit a wall, God doesn't feel present. God doesn't feel good. God doesn't feel loving. God doesn't feel concerned. But here's the deal. Our relationship with God isn't based on feelings. It's based on faith. And our relationship with God isn't just begun by faith. Our daily relationship with God, wall after wall, is continued by faith. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, how did you receive Christ as Lord? By faith. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue then to live in him. You have to be rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. If we're going to ultimately go through the walls and still have the one indispensable reality of life, a relationship with God, it takes faith day in and day out. In fact, here's the application I want to give you. The right response when we hit the wall the only response, the only reality that can keep us going when, when we hit the wall and disillusionment comes and God doesn't feel present or feel good anymore, the only thing that can get us to keep going is hope. That's it. Lose hope, the wall just won and you lose And the reason God's the one indispensable reality we can't do without in life is because God is the only one that can provide hope no matter what wall we're hitting. And I know a lot of people give up on God and think that there's no hope, but the truth is, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the texture of the wall that you've hit is, God can give you hope that keeps you going. For me, hope at the wall looks a lot like a video game how many of you have ever seen or played a Mario game any of you done that I was never any good at it but I used to love running him into a wall and keeping him walking against that wall did you ever see it <laughs> I mean hope springs eternal I just like he's just keeping walking he doesn't even know there's a wall there reminds me of my dog And I'm being very serious. My dog Lincoln, he's a two-year-old golden doodle. And I'm going to tell you, every time I come in the house, every time, you know, I pet him and he gets all excited. And he runs and gets his ball and comes back thinking I'm going to play fetch with him. And every single time I say, I'm not playing fetch with you now, man. Every day. He comes to play fetch, and at that time, I play fetch with him another time, but when I come in, I'm not, it's not time to play fetch. I'm not playing fetch with you, man. And it's like this dog, hope springs eternal. He brings the ball, maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. I say, not today. Next day. say, maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. Not today. But unlike me, God really does make us hope. Look what he says in Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This was written to a different people at a different time. This was written to his people, the Jews, way back in the time of Jeremiah. But the principle God is sharing with them is a principle that he shares with us. What he plans for us is not to harm us or hurt us. What he plans for us is to give us hope and a future. Which means no matter what wall I'm hitting right now, God's still got hope in my future. And if I hold on to hope, then like my dog or like Mario, I can keep pushing through that wall and so can you. And every story in the Bible proves this, either in a good way or a bad way. Last weekend, Adam Mashney gave a talk on the storms of life and he mentioned a guy named Joseph. And by the way, didn't Adam do a great job last weekend? I mean, it was a really terrific job. I, I'm, I might actually let him give another talk in a couple of years i 'm not sure, but maybe you know, but he did a great job, but in talking about Joseph just a small bit, he revealed a character where hope sprang eternal i mean in the beginning joseph 's life was phenomenal he was the favorite son of his dad and and you know, he got a coat of multicolors, and he had it, you know, the world by his tail. And then God showed up and, and said, I'm going to use you so profoundly to make such a difference in this world that even your dad and your brothers are going to bow down to you. And I mean, that's a pretty good beginning. It was pretty heady experience, but you know, beginnings aren't the same thing as the journey. And he hit a wall. His brothers rejected him and Throw him in a pit instead of killing him. They sold him into slavery. Then he was still faithful to God. He just stayed, just stayed faithful. He kept hoping in God's promise. And but then, in staying faithful to God, he got thrown into prison. And and there he just kept, you know, faithful. His hope remained strong in God. And there he got betrayed by people who promised to remember him. But he he never lost his hope. And so he just kept staying faithful to God. And then ultimately, it was crazy. There was a breakthrough, and he became the prime minister of Egypt, the second in power, and the superpower nation of the world at the time. And and it was so he could save a lot of lives. And and you know what he learned? God had a plan for him and a future. But he couldn't get to it without going through wall after wall after wall. And the truth is that we have the same promise. Oh, we're not all going to become the second most powerful person anywhere, but Every single one of us can experience God's best plans in our life, but never without going through wall after wall after wall. And the reason Joseph's story is so crazy is that he's so unlike us, because when we hit one wall and another wall and another wall, we get a disillusion and we finally say, you know, I'm sorry, I'm done. But he kept bringing the ball back to God and saying, can we play fetch today? Can we play fetch today? And God said, today we can play fetch. He stayed faithful. We need to stay faithful we're going to experience and face walls in our relationship with God and we have to do what Joseph did. We need to choose hope. We need to realize, and I hope that you'll get this if you've gotten nothing else, we need to realize that God is bigger than whatever wall we're facing. He's bigger. My problem when I hit the wall is that I allow the wall to be so big, I'm so close to it that that I lose sight of the fact that as big as that wall is, God is bigger. And I lose hope. And when I lose hope, I, I stop walking with him. And when I stop walking with him, I've just lost the one thing I need more than anything else in the world. And you know, this is our experience, not my experience. Look what God promises in Romans 8, verses 18 and 28. It's just Jeremiah 29, 11 again. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings, he doesn't say it's all good, he says we're going to hit wall after wall and it's going to hurt. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And he was basically saying, look at as long as I'm on this planet, I'm going to be hitting wall after wall and I'm going to be hurting and suffering. But you know what? It is Small compared to the unbelievable glory that I'm going to experience when I'm with him hope kept him going and so he wrote this in verse 28 and we know that in all things even when we're hitting the wall God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose this weekend I believe that many of us in fact let me be more honest than that probably most of us right now are hitting the wall experiencing what comes naturally when we hit the wall, disillusionment. And I believe most of us, honestly I really do, have been allowing our hearts to grow just a little bit cold and a little bit hard because, you know, we've been a little bit disappointed. Many of us have been giving up on God a little bit at a time. Oh, you're here, but you're not praying like you once did, and you're not... You're not believing like you once did. And you're not seeking God like you once did. That was in the beginning. But now you've kind of pulled back. Some of us are taking shortcuts. Jumping from one beginning to another. Bypassing God altogether instead of dealing with the real problem. The wall. Well this is true. If this is true of you. If you can relate to this like I can then... Let me tell you what you need, and you need it now. You need hope. And I need to tell you, a new year doesn't give you that hope. A new year gives you another day to fail in the same ways you always have. But a new year with hope is a new year. But to have a new year with hope, you have to have God in it. You need to realize that God is bigger than the wall you're facing right now and you need to claim that hope. And some of you are going, you don't understand. God would never give me hope. I've messed up too much. I am a failure. Then you don't know God well enough because you see, look what he says in Romans 10, 13 to someone like you, like me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone. Everyone all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and and he gives you his hope. But the only way to ultimately experience his hope at the wall, the only way to ultimately call on him is by surrendering yourself. Because until you surrender yourself to him, what you're saying is, I can face the wall on my own. But I've got news for you. You can't, I can't, but God can. We are smaller than the wall, but God is bigger. And so we have to surrender. And when we do, we call on him. And you know what he does? He takes us through the wall because he gives us hope. As we sing this song, I hope that you'll stay, you'll reflect, and you will choose to do what it talks about, to surrender. Right now, we're going to do something that is absolutely different for this community of believers called Northridge. We're going to, as we continue singing this song, give you the opportunity to literally take a step into the hope that you so desperately need to face the wall that you're hitting now or are going to hit. In fact, what we're going to do as we sing this song is we're going to give you the opportunity to literally, wherever you're at in the auditorium, to step out of your seat and to physically move as a declaration of claiming God's hope. If you're in the balcony, I would encourage you to to get out of your seat and move and go into the aisle if you're ready to claim that hope. And if you're on the main floor to actually move and come all the way down front and fill up this whole front area, and if God moves in a big way as he has before, aisles will be filled, and wherever you can find a space, the important thing is to literally step away from your seat and move. And I know how you're feeling. I get it. This is very different. It's very unique for us. Some of you would go, well, that's threatening. That's scary. That makes me feel uncomfortable. That makes me feel odd. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're at a wall, doesn't it? And I believe until we take a step into our discomfort, we never experience what God really has for us. And so by taking that step, I want you to know I believe you can experience one of the greatest spiritual moments you've ever experienced because you're actually saying claiming God's hope is more important than how I feel and what people think. Claiming God's hope and experiencing is what I need most and I don't care what it takes, I'm taking that step. And so as we sing, you move, you come and then at the end what I'm going to do and only do this as if this is a choice you want to make and then I'm going to pray over you and ask that God gives you the power to go through that wall as we sing, you come. When we surrender, God finally wins. And when God wins, we win. And see, the problem in life is that we try and win on our own and what happens is it's the wall that wins. But by taking this step, claiming God's hope by surrendering you're saying God win and so let's pray God I thank you so much that whether we get to experience you winning or not that you always win and because of who you are your wins are always good because what you have planned for us is good And so I'm asking now that you would take each one who's taken a physical step, an uncomfortable step, a step into new territory to come forward, to move away from their seat, to claim your hope, that you would fill them with your hope. That like Joseph, even when it seems like hope is unreasonable that they will have hope within fill them with your power to keep pushing against the wall they're at and God I pray that you would at the same time fill them with peace and joy let your grace be constant and may we God experience your goodness now some of you here I believe who've taken this step Your wall is that you've never ever put faith in God in the first place. And I've been there. But as I finish this prayer. I want to encourage you to pray with me. To take that step over your senses and into faith. Just in your heart. Say God. I need you desperately. And as difficult as it is to believe. I'm taking that step. Jesus, you died on that cross for my sin, and so I'm giving it to you. Forgive me. And you rose again to give me a new nature, and by faith, I'm receiving it. Become my Savior and Lord. I'm calling on you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is nothing better, friends, than when God wins. It's an awesome deal. And if you look around, this is a winning moment and uh, what you did when you left your seat many of you is you made your decision and that's enough for you and that's awesome and as soon as I stop talking you you can you can kind of start moving towards the journey and for those of you in your seats the same but some of you and I know this has really stirred up some stuff in you and you're just in a place where it's like you need to have a conversation with someone or have someone maybe pray with you personally And we have our pastoral staff here And a bunch of ministry staff And so if that's you You want to have a more private prayer Or time with someone All you have to do is If you're up front Just stay where you are You don't move Just stay where you are Everybody else will be moving And if you're in the aisles If you would just kind of Make your way into a seat And sit down and stay there While other people are leaving Then our team will be able to find you And pray with you It might take some time But we want to invest in you personally Because you're worth it Here's the thing life is filled with walls but God is bigger than those walls go out and hope and the next week when you come back we're going to talk about the wrestling match that happens at the wall I'm going to teach you how to do half Nelsons and full Nelsons and we're going to have a blast about talking about wrestling so bring your friends and if you just trusted Christ for the first time and the program you got is a card Take that out on the bottom. Check where it says you prayed with me. Turn it in so that we can send you material. I'm so glad you're here. God bless you. Have a great week.